You're listening to On Conversation, and I am the legend Keith Chandler. This episode, our 14th, takes place at Stirred Up Coffee Shop in Emerald Isle, our usual home base. Happy Memorial Day, and thank you to all of you out there who have served or are currently serving, keeping all of us here at home safe. We very, very, very much appreciate it. On today's episode, we run with a book that Joey has read about Henry VIII. Technically, it's the third in a trilogy, but that's how it goes. I actually know nothing about Henry VIII. Uh, I don't really know anything about history because it really never, I don't know, just never got to me. I'm also going to go ahead and admit, which should be pretty obvious to anyone that's been listening to us lately, I am not the sharpest tool in the box. And even if I was, I am certainly not the sharpest mind at the table when we are having these discussions. And you will see that today, rather hear it. Anyway, our sponsor for this episode is Sweet Sounds Records. Check them out at sweetsoundsrecords.com. They are putting out great music, put out great music back in the day, and are probably going to put out some more great music in the future. Uh, Great, 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 wonderful record label based right here in the Crystal Coast. Sweet Sounds Records, fallen on deaf ears since 2012. Our intro music this week is brought to you by Odd Circles. This may be the last week that we feature them. They just put out a new record a couple weeks ago called Official Motion Picture Soundtrack. And this track is from the record. It is called Pillow Talk. It's a great song. If you have any feedback for us, shoot us an email at sweetsoundsrecords.com. Yes, we are shamelessly hyping our own products because everyone else does, so we may as well too. And that's it. Enjoy your week. Please be safe. Have a wonderful Memorial Day and enjoy the show. Stirred up. Joey and Brad are talking about Henry VIII. They're getting real petty. No, Joey's talking about Henry VIII. And Joey continued. He's not a papist. That's where we left off. Yeah, no, I'm speaking about the fictionalized uh, portrayal of Thomas Cromwell, who was at this point in the book that I'm reading, which is just after the death of Jane Seymour, he's the Lord Privy Seal. but the sympathetic portrayal of him in the book mainly concentrates on his loyalty to England before religious concerns, um, his adherence to the gospel rather than Roman church doctrine. Country and, before God? Um, not necessarily before, but viewing their interests as being aligned and being against the like prevailing like pope sort of hierarchical structure because viewing it as undermining the sovereignty of England. And God then, God with country or country with God? So like trying to, well, you don't need to prioritize them necessarily if you view 
king and country as being like divinely linked. Yeah, governed. So, and the other big thing is the fact that he was not a noble person. He was very low of birth, and yet finds himself because of his it purely uh, meritocracy, like because of his exceptional skills in negotiating, pricing things, analyzing situations, a tremendous faculty of memory, he's able to put himself in the highest positions of power without being actually highborn. Kind of like Hamilton. So what... I could see that, yeah. What, um, what's the name of this book and the author? So if people, if our so listeners want to... Uh, Hillary, I believe it's Mantell... I can't remember if it's Mantell or Martell. You said it was three book series? Yeah, it's three the part. Wolf Hall trilogy. The first one is Wolf Hall. The second one is Bring Up the Bodies. And the third one is The Mirror and the Light. Um, and cr- chronologically, it covers uh, his younger life and flashbacks. But then really in the contemporary timeline, it starts with really the fall of... Um, the English cardinal who was his mentor and now it's extended beyond the death of Jane Seymour and I'm assuming Wolsey it was Wolsey yeah yeah Cardinal Wolsey yeah and it's going to end presumably at the death of Thomas Cromwell uh, from whose perspective the entire book is told um, although it is in uh, third person limited omniscient narration um, and he also appears in every scene. Buff to understand that. Yeah, so. that's it. Third-person omniscient narrative. Yeah. It, yeah. it has <laughs> limited omniscient. All that means is that it uses he and she instead of I or you. Right. So third-person instead of respectively first-person and second-person. Omniscient just is what does the person or voice that's narrating know it's fully omniscient if the voice seems to know everything that's happening in the world of the book um, and in the minds of all the characters. And it's limited omniscient if it's it only lying. knows what's happening in the mind of a, a single character right. or one character at a time. Right. Some books shift from the internal sort of monologues or internal awareness of like from character to character. A classic example would be well, pretty much anything modernist does that a lot. So, what, what is your thing with Henry VIII? Why do you why do you study or like him? He was just an exceptional character in English history. I mean, uh, just his dealings with the church, his dealings with the noble, and his his just general overview of life um, to include offing a few of his wives and marrying so many of them and some of them taking care you know he takes care of them some of them he has them offed it just he's an interesting figure on absolute power now again Um, forgive me for my extreme amounts of ignorance because I did not pay attention to any of this stuff he's a tutor okay and I'm assuming this is pre-Elizabethan he was the father of Elizabeth I yes. see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. His. Yeah. His second daughter. Do you guys like Megadeth? Yeah. Huh? 
<laughs> that was my joke. I didn't get it. I'm the he guy asked if he, we like Megadeth. Megadeth. Oh. Yeah, Megadeth. The he band? sells, but who's buying? Anyway, keep going. Henry VIII. He's just being a, being a, <laughs> okay. the a part, weenie. The part about the character of Henry VIII that's uh, most appealing to me at this point in the book is he's sort of losing. He suffered a concussion and a period of unconsciousness as a result of a joust. And it also aggravated a, an incompletely healed, serious wound that he had in his leg. And so now he is, in addition to having personal problems, he's also having mental problems that are manifesting themselves emotionally. And I really, really identify with and think that it's very humanizing the extent to which he prides himself on his physical abilities and mm -hmm. his ability to be like physically impressive and performative. And right. the leg is just bugging. I think it's being presented very well. It's Hillary man dang it. Would he have it's been Hillary a Mantel yeah and the leg is bugging him both from like it's the fact that it's preventing him from doing what he wants to do but also interfering significantly with his self image right which is creating a would he would have been terrific a, a emotional larger disturbing. than average man yeah. at the time tall or or wide or both 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 taller and more muscular okay. although he became more corpulent as his life went on great you know. use of an sat word study that kids okay yeah he did well part part of it probably because of his leg and not being able to do the things that he would like to do but he was certainly really athletic yeah. and and women fawned over him um and not just because he was a prince but and a king but because he was a, a man's man a big strapping dude. I have a lot of those same problems. Yeah, you do. <laughs> There's an anecdote in the book and I'm not sure where she got it or if it was an invention of hers where he pulls up his um, and it, they reference it from when he was younger and more brash and less respecting and reserved but he, he pulls up his like whatever kind of outfit he's wearing up above the knee and says something like you know does the king of france have a leg like this or something like that like mm -hmm. just very again boisterous and prideful of his any himself as a physical specimen right. any right. implications to the lasting impacts like how so if he's elizabeth's father and then i would think that pretty much everything after that is kind of in her wheelhouse so i'm assuming that his presence has had lingering effects within the, the monarchy. Well, his inability to produce an heir definitely set a English history heir. on a particular right. course. And a yeah. woman running the show, a woman as powerful as Elizabeth was, and keeping all the suitors at bay enough to keep power, which she did over and over again. You know, occasionally she'd throw them in the Tower of London, her lovers, if they pissed her off, Sir Walter Raleigh being one of those, yeah. um, and the Earl of Essex. But they, especially those two, were her main suitors. But, but because she never married one, she never lost any of her power. And also, it's the beginnings of empire. You yeah. see the trappings of empire. The two biggest occurrence, global occurrences, or European or global occurrences taking place, which it would bring up the question if, like, Henry VIII and the people in that period were necessarily making history or simply responding to historic circumstances but it's shortly after the reformation still within the life of martin luther so you right. have you know, 
the the Holy Roman Empire, France, um, obviously very Catholic, but then you have the the German states and principalities becoming Lutheran and creating like a huge existential conflict for Europe that England is really caught in the middle of simply by virtue of trying to have the king be both the head of state and the head of the church, church. not so much in there embracing Lutheranism, which there's a right. lot of nuance there because they really don't like categorically like um, Martin Luther or his philosophy, but they're definitely, it seems that most people, at least in the portrayal in this novel, are pro a gospel, a version of the gospel translated into English for people to be able to, for Read. at least literate English people to be able to access. And that was interesting right. thinking about that they actually forbade translating um, holy books back then. The like Catholic you could Church be, did. you yes. could be killed legally. Actually, it was a requirement that so you'd, you'd be killed if you were found what, to Roman or, no, or Greek or no. You'd have to have them interpreted by a priest. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in okay. an effort to, so basically, people so at this time solidified the power of the church, right, the Catholic right, Church. Right, they didn't yeah. know you, you what was in it because you don't understand it. Yeah. Like and the all, princes were notoriously didn't want the Catholic Church in their business, right? Over and over again, princes and kings, even though they said they honored the the church but the church could like annul a wedding or excommunicate you god forbid and then you, your title because the pope gives you crowns you like your title is in question many countries the pope actually did the crowning so then your even your if he decides not to crown you like or waits a long time to crown you you know it could be a problem go ahead yeah no it the and Sounds the lay people, <laughs> literally the lay people, did not know what was in the Bible in the all. Bible versus what was manufactured by the Catholic Church and sort of the additional material or the additional. For all they knew, everything that priests decided that they should or could do was actually prescribed by the Bible. And that gave them a lot, like the centralized church, but then also like you know, whatever priest in whatever abbey and whatever parish and whatever shire or whatever, a tremendous amount of power. To, a, to a certain extent in modern times, I think that still also applies. Not the shires and all this kind of thing, but the idea that there's a lot of people in the church, a lot of people in the church don't know what's in the Bible, and a lot of those people look to whomever their... And they can read it now. Right, yeah. Yeah. to whomever right. their pastor, well, preacher... Well, you would naturally... The anyway, language so of the the language roll, of the King James Bible is hard for contemporary people to understand, um, because it is very old. I mean, King James. It's essentially. I mean, it's contemporary with like Shakespeare. So even though it's less poetically written, it's still not easy for people today to understand. There's a language barrier. Also, the Bible is a very long book. Um, people debate and pretty disjointed. The, the yeah, the authority of the Old Testament versus the New Testament. I right. would say that most the original postmodern work. Yeah, most <laughs> most Christians yeah, have a pretty good handle on the New Testament. Right, it's much much shorter, and it is framed as being much more relevant to both people's like practical concerns and their 
existential concerns. And a lot of them are letters. So yeah. letters to people. So they're a little bit more, a lot more understandable as uh, the subject and the the the, the object. Right. That so makes a lot of sense. So yeah, and much more quotable too. Yeah. 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 So is Henry? He he was Christian then. He was in. He was. You're oh, saying. Yeah. And the other gentleman you were speaking of was the guy that was kind of iffy about the church. Yeah, Tom. The way that Thomas Cromwell is portrayed Cromwell. in the in the book is that he is a true believer in Christianity and salvation through Christ, but he's very pro it being accessible to every person, and he's very sensitive about the hypocrisy of priests and the hypocrisy of the church and the more irrational elements of it, such as purchasing, uh, you know, like forgivenesses. Um, and they're called holy relics. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And holy relics, too, especially. Right. So um, you could forgive your sins if you paid. Right, and that was that was the biggest thing that the church came up with was that they could do that, and they their coffers just overflowed with money um, because people were sinning all the time, and so you give them a few bucks, and they'd absolve your sins. You know, it was like the yeah. biggest. After I got ordained as a priest or a pastor or whatever you want to say, I, I did when I was in Los Angeles for a brief period of time. I did try that as a pickup line. You know, oh my God. that I could absolve you of your sins if you oh, were willing to commit no, a couple no, more no, first. No, no. There's uh, no money exchanged. It's not like it's uh, illegal or anything. No, you know? no. I'm just giving you my blessing. Only you would say that. Yeah. I'm probably going to get canceled after this podcast anyway. I'm sure some... Would you stop being negative? Some group. Yeah, thank you, Brad. <laughs> yeah. I think the idea that a priest would be required to forgive somebody's sins is an interesting concept, or that a priest would be required as an intermediary, because I think in practicality it actually has a lot of value for a person to be speaking to somebody, for you to have people who are dedicated to um, religious knowledge. And also listening to you, like a confession would be, where you don't see the priest's face and you confess your sins in a booth. You know, and, and the absolution of that so far is like getting it off your chest and thinking about it. And, you know, uh, a lot of the p- priests were extremely literate because they were they grew up in abbeys, which were the repository of all the knowledge in the area. Um, Wouldn't they have been more aristocratic or no? They were part. So it was the aristocracy, the priesthood. It was like three prong thing. And okay. then the common folk. OK. All right. So uh, the priests were semi-equivalent to a type of aristocracy, especially if you were like a cardinal or if you were like, what is the uh, uh, abbot of a monastery? Bishop. Uh, or a bishop. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You, A bishop certainly was equivalent to like a uh, duke, mm. um, yeah. probably, back, back then. But if you look at, so Cromwell was, was guided by Cardinal Wolsey, who was super corrupt. So he also mm, saw, but very effective and, at achieving. Right, he was he, he was a to. wheeler and dealer. So he kept the pope at bay, but he he lived in this. It's still one of the the most gorgeous palaces in Britain, right? Where he lived, and the, Henry VIII took it when he excommunicated, when he got rid of him. Yeah, and, and I don't know whether he killed him or he just sent him away. I think he just sent him away, but. 
um, I forget the name of the palace, but it's still like you can go there and see it. It's extravagant to the tune of like what a palace should look like. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the other thing. As they're in tearing, quote unquote, tearing down the monasteries and the places of worship and everything like that by taking power away from the church. They they're made not a lot only, of money. Yeah, they're not only providing the state with greater power in this context, they're also literally making a lot of money because tons and tons of money flowed into those religious institutions the same way that they would flow into like, well, kind of like what, you know, you said, like a an aristocrat sort of, you know, like feudal setup. I remember... So it's called Hampton Court. There's his house. Oh, wow. She's like <laughs> a small like a little town. village. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. 10 out of 10 would live there. Was it the 90s version of the Three Musketeers? Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver So that's Platt. France, remember. Oh, yeah. Now I'm getting my countries mixed up. Never mind. Yeah. Forget it. I was just thinking there, wasn't there... I think Tim Curry played a duke or a cardinal or an archbishop or something who was very corrupt and had a lot of Yeah, money. Richelieu. Yeah. Wasn't he the bad guy? Yes. Yeah, he's the bad yes. guy. Okay. Yeah. I have neither. Job. I haven't. I know enough about Three Musketeers to answer trivia questions about it. Yeah. That's see, I it. get. I get my. I get my early, early, early French and English stuff mixed up because they're all kings and Henrys and Franks and Elizabeths. Well, and, and they had conflicting and, claims on each other's right. thrones right. also because of the. Actually, my cousin was educating me about this uh, at trivia the other night uh, because of. The inability to produce Male valid offspring if you happen to have a child who was then married to, for instance, a, a French princess, and she had a kid, but then the king of France does not have a valid heir. Well, the you end up with somebody who is potentially both technically, if you accept it, king of England and king of France, despite the fact that they are actually English. So mm -hmm. there's a, a consistent conflict between upholding the authority of inheritance and the paternal line and actually maintaining the autonomy of your actual country. Right, and, and there, was, there was a decent amount of times where they wheeled and dealed over that stuff. Yeah. But, but getting back to Cromwell, I think one of the things that he saw was the corruption behind Wolsey's reign of power and he was super he was like second in command yeah in england so he was really really he had henry's ear um especially because when he was, was really young. good at what he, he was did. dynamic i like that about and, at least his his portrayal in this that it's actually like people need him because he's he can do well, things and henry that other wanted to can. hunt he wanted to chase women he wanted to be cool in his bad clothes like he just yeah he didn't necessarily want to rule the state and like, he didn't want to do kings were not meant to and they were actually shielded from doing like dirty business yeah. because people had respect for the office dirty, and it was like dirty business like even like anything having to do dealing with, with money, taxes oh, okay, 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 like okay. anything that would be considered unsavory they were viewed as being above it and it was something they needed to be shielded they still from. don't the monarchs of any they still don't deal with right yeah. right well, yeah they've who's, always who's had the current doing. queen right now she doesn't do anything elizabeth the second yeah mm -hmm. she doesn't do anything yeah. at all yeah her she had she she had creates her own government to do all that she generates yeah. a lot of memes about 
like jokes on immortality and her well, existing a, since time it's immemorial. It's a good thing that things. someone in that high, powerful, super influential position is doing something so terribly important as being a meme generator. That puts me at rest. Well, well, for Britain, she generates a ton of tourism. Yeah, that too. Yeah. A lot more than they cost. But it's viewed as and being. Apparently, she also doesn't want black babies. But the, we don't know who said it. We just no, know I'm someone not sure said the king it. Said, I think that's something like Charles would say. I wonder. <laughs> do you? I. I would be curious if you were, to what extent, if you were being, if you were having a good faith conversation, to what extent you would consider the mon, any individual of that age in a very aristocratic position to be racist. Um, and in the sense, not of having like implicit bias, but if they were being 100% honest, would say that they value people differently based upon their race oh absolutely but then but then that, you think they would oh i do yeah hmm well i mean it's, it's i think it's in, it's in, it's like ingrained that's part of it man you know yeah. well those are two different things well, and though. that's some of that generation as well that's what you were saying right yeah yeah like i mean the, i would think the older somebody is the more likely they are to be i'd almost want to i don't have um, maybe the knowledge to do. I don't, there probably is a term for it, but I would make a distinction between a person being racist in the sense that they would explicitly say, if they were being honest, that they believe people to be of different quality based on their skin color. Right. And people who are racist by the more, I think, academic definition of benefiting from a privileged position because of their race or having implicit biases that they they act on are but we, would deny are we speaking in modern times or are we speaking in henry I'm, the eighth times? no i'm talking about like modern times okay because my answer to your question was under the guise of henry the eighth times oh yeah i'm sure that i they would were. think anyone then would see someone of a different color and say yeah well it's not just of a different color if you or if social you were class. from a section of london that was the trash right. section like yeah you would, yeah, you, and anybody that was not nobility, right? So this would be now. So it's now just we're, your lineage. If I'm not mistaken, right? We're kind of we're kind of dabbling into like the caste system now. Basically, it was like a caste system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in in modern times, but you could become a noble now or then. Then, then, right? Yeah, right. you could be. You can become a noble now. Sure, I think it's a little. Well, maybe not. The, I, I, I can't it's say. It's called that. a baronet. That's what they start with. Okay. So they grant you the queen grants you a baronet. Not right. your, that's like your that's your entry it's the level. Entry <laughs> level baron. Yeah, and so when they do that, then there's you get a coat of arms assigned from all the baronets. Right. Yeah, do they have to when they do that, the way that I've seen it portrayed and I don't know how accurate it is, do they have to essentially invent some kind of discovered lineage that justifies it like not now because there's a no no hey Jen good good um they invent they don't have to invent it like like say the um who was Henry's best friend the the Duke of Earl Wessex, Sussex. It was one of so Sussex is Harry, right? Sussex is Harry. 
So it's a word like that. It's been retired. It's no longer in use. But it's still there. Suffolk? Yeah. Yeah, the Duke of Suffolk. Okay. Okay. So that was like the right-hand man of Henry VIII. It was like his boy. He hung out with him. He went to school with him. He was like always around him. Um, And that that essentially died out because there was no male heir. But it's still on the books. And what happens is the queen has these all these things on the books. And so when she wants someone to be a noble, she pulls that Hmm. title and she bestows it on them. Right. So now she doesn't probably have to make up new titles. There are titles all over the place. Right. Right. right, From, from ancient times. But back then, but Henry probably would have made up a name of whatever it was, but you don't have to make up a lineage. You, 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 you are added to that lineage. Right. Okay. Uh, a Knight's Tale, which is a really good movie, but it should not movie. be applauded it's for movie. necessarily its historical accuracy. Right, but right. I do remember the part where they actually knight him at the end and under his real name, and they say the the guy who plays the Black Prince um, says that they've discovered an ancient royal line that he is actually a member of. So it, with that, it so seems like they needed to justify justifi- it. Right, right. So, but that's to me, not that made accurate. sense because they want to maintain right. like this notion that you are like you you're special, and if and it's because of what your blood and lineage is, and you can't retroactively what? make somebody. There's also the implication that, that you're only special if you come from a lineage. Or you come from a place. Right. There's nothing. That, I think that's the the, the foul so, there is. So the the way they get by that. You want to? No, that's I, I just I just think that's the foul. So Anyone the, could be special, but, but so the way they get of, by that is well, because yeah. the queen is or the king is chosen by God. Right, and that's what I was therefore say he recognizes. Oh my goodness, you actually do have royal blood. You're inherent I'm gonna divine suppose, greatness. Right, right. I'm going to expose this now. Now the where a knight's tale is wrong is actually. A knight is not a noble, hmm. right? They're they're the they're the soldiers of the nobility. So you don't huh. necessarily have to be noble to be a knight. Okay, right? That's best, like a duke could dis, could create a knight, or a marquess could create a knight. Huh. Underneath them, he would be a knight of the marquess of. So Devonport. really, what they're doing in that situation is they're doing what would be necessary to make him like a lord. Right. More so. so. Yeah. So if they make him a lord, lord and ladies, is there too, so that would be a baronet in England. Would They would have to have given him a baronet. Hmm. Right. Or something like that. In or France, is a little different. France is a little different. It, each, each place is a little different. I think of that. Right? But the queen still gives up. I mean, occasionally she'll give. I mean, Keynes, the John Maynard Keynes was a baron. Hmm. Like he was the first baronet kings. Well, they're obviously still knighting people. Yeah, know? they knight yeah. people. She not, but that's much lesser than like right. bestowing them because what in reality all those families are all linked back to the queen is the theory, right? They all and and they each have a portion of the country that they run for the queen, hmm. and that's why she can take their title away and that takes away their land. So it, titles used to be associated with and land. And their income. Which and is almost, income, almost yeah. kind of like uh, if you can right. take away the land, right? Back then that would be, you'd be a serf, is that right? Serfdom? Where you were given an allotted amount of land? Yeah, I don't know if there's a strict transition. And again, a serf was tied to the land. So if, they, if, the, if she took your baronet away 
and it had serfs on it, then the next persons that she gave it to would inherit those serfs. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Right, yeah. right. And like they were tied the to the land. Because right, okay, remember, right. those pieces of land have towns on them and right. churches and fields. So, yeah, yeah. their own little yeah. communities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But See, they're all with I'm saying. I get, I get all this. I get all this stuff all yeah. mixed up. So, and most of the dukes. It's uber confusing. Most of the dukes in royal families. Help that I'm uber most confused. of the dukes what? in. <laughs> That's in, yeah. I guess the uber in the arist- aristocratic uh, countries are members of the the or the aristocrats family. Right. Okay. Like so, the dukes in general are either very very close friends of the family or their members because they're the second layer, right? You got, you got king, you got dukes, you've got um, earls. Okay. You, you know, you have marquesses in Britain, you have earls, then you have barons okay. or baronets. There's no counts. In, in Germany, there's counts, and um, I don't think there are counts in the British system. So yeah. it's, I didn't, oh, sorry. I say it's no wonder that none of these governments and systems worked out because uh, I worked in a family business once when I was living in Ohio. They worked not, out pretty damn good and let me over tell you, that a was thousand not, years. That was a volatile place mm. to be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, is it? Oh, yeah, because people get, you get pissed off grandma, you might lose your damn head Everything. or limb. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. It yeah it is there's something I think this is a good situation for me to bring up like my favorite kind of trope of what is the inherent advantage of a system that emerges organically and is very old and very time tested versus well like what we have in America which is basically people theorizing politically theorizing and then deciding to spontaneously set up like a country with a system not necessarily from scratch, given the, the legal precedent and the fact that, well, like, Rome was a republic and Greece was a democracy, but basically saying, like, rather than this system evolving slowly over time um, into something that's stable and effective, saying, okay, new country, we're a new country, here's how things are going to be set up, and it's going to be based on, basically, rather than immediate experience we're going to base it on what we think is going to work and what we think is right but with a system for gradually changing it from there they really wanted to make george washington a king over and over and over again because monarchies were so steeped in the way people understood the political life right and he constantly was having to not do that because what they were looking for was a system of government that provided the most amount of liberty for the individual. Yeah. Like, or the That's individual good... landowner. So he was not interested, plus, he didn't want to be a king. <laughs> you know, he was just really not interested in doing that, um, even though he could have. He could have easily have been our first king. And where are we at with liberty now, though? In so so to to your point so we've we've established so people came here and said we're going to start a new country, a new system that we think in the long is going to play out better than the one that we know that we're leaving. And it was effectively aristocratic philosophers who were designing and setting up the system. N- not not repre- 
the in, in good the wealthiest and most educated people right. of the time, and not a lot of them. And not, but well, they had to be able to write and to perceive concepts so they can toss them with each other and kind of look back on them. And I mean, some of them weren't fabulously wealthy, but. I mean, Rousseau well, was and, and, and wealth, I'm kind of not, I, I can't speak to that. I'm, I'm kind of more getting into the idea of what you're well, saying. Well, I mean like the founding fathers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You've got, oh, you yeah, got a, the, a bunch of highly educated, fairly wealthy, aristocratic people making a theoretical decision for a bunch of other people who are uneducated, not aristocratic, and not that Which wealthy. is why they only wanted landowners to start with, to be able to be and free. Here, and here we are today in the same scenario. And that's what I guess I'm saying. Oh, you're going to say that. The theory of the No, we're not going to tumble into that. <laughs> the, the, the theory of this doesn't seem like it's worked out that well. And we're kind of still in the same place, I think. I don't know. No, I, 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 think, I, it, I think it's worked out relatively well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we still have... I mean, but we're going to constantly battle aristocracy. It's obviously um, that hierarchical system is very masculine, and it's and it's kind of the way we've set up shop over and over and over again since we were cave people. Whoa. So, I mean, there were some goddess societies, but overwhelmingly that particular hierarchical system, which when they've studied the empires, the hierarchical systems of those once they became empires, are extremely stable. Um, and so if you consider the Romans or the, the, you know, the Byzantium or, you know, the Chinese um, emperors. So someone was saying, an article that I was reading, the person was saying, I wish I could remember the, the author's name, but he was saying having this wealth gap really is, is not that important. It actually can make us even more stable because the empires that have lasted the longest have have had Wealth really gaps, powerful right. people in the top and, so and that, uh, mm, peasantry. That leads me to two questions. Number uh, one, that is, wasn't super powerful. Yeah, but what's the difference between right now we have a very top-down system, like all people care about power and politically basically is a sing- practically a single person in the federal government or the activities of a single legislative body back then. Did it really matter that much in people's Steely Dan? Dude's got a Steely Dan sticker on his Mercedes Benz. Nice. It's very surreal. Yeah. The license plate says surreal. The, yeah. Vanity plate. Nice. But my, so my, my two questions I hope he's coming in the coffee shop. Are, one, again, is it good that the, those people, and I'm not trying to label him. Those people. Let's, right, yeah. What do you mean, those people? Uh, your aristocratic... Oh. Wealthy. I mean, I, I, yeah. it's okay I would, to discriminate against aristocrats. I would say in this day and age, educated, but everyone to a degree nowadays is educated in some faculty. Some more than others understand that. There's, we can do that later. But that's one question. Is it good for those people to still make decisions for the rest of us? One. And then two, you just went through what? Byzantium? Rome? The Chinese. The Chinese. Um, We're talking about Henry VIII, so let's say English. So that's jumping way high. Yeah, way it can't be forward. a coincidence that 
monarchies are so widespread. But, yeah, well, it's not yeah. like why, one person why, came up with the system of government and then everybody copied why it. Why does they no one ever bring up uh, like uh, Aztecs or Mayans and what's it, uh, Tenochtitlan? Montezuma was a like, dick. Yeah, yeah, but but, but yeah, all yeah. those societies lasted for thousands. No, they were and monarchies as well of years. And yeah, but, so, well, but, but no one. But, uh, I'm not saying no one talks Aztecs about them. The Aztecs, as they were encountered by the Spanish, that had been more on the scale of like hundreds of years since or even decades since they had like united several different groups and exerted tremendous control over the like larger population of Mexico. Sure, but what we don't yeah. know, the prehistory of all that, what we don't know that we're discovering today. We're learning a lot. Right. With LIDAR discovering and, yeah. today. So I, I, yeah. I guess, again, you know, Rome, Byzantium, uh, 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 you know, the Greeks. Uh, Ottomans. The Ottomans, that's who I was thinking <clears throat> of, the Ottomans. Um, Persian, all that stuff. Persia, oh my God, we totally forgot Persia. You know, I get that those were long-lasting monarchies or rulers or how, whatever. How dare yes? But it yeah. only seems like oh, how funny we are you? in the West <laughs> only ever focus on that. We seem very, very, very forgetful sometimes or dismissive of our of our friends uh, to our south, you know, and and the societies that were there long before. Because there's proof now that there were Africans that were crossing the ocean from Africa to South America. Yeah. You know, and, and this was all in, in, in popular American history. Okay, we're told that this is a, this is not true. This is a fallacy. I'll There's accept no, an no argument against a sense of cultural well so superiority. I'm just asking, like, why don't we consider that? And not us three, just the, the scholars. And then again, are the people who are in power making all the decisions for well, all the of scholar, us? Is that right? Is that the way it should be? It's pretty slow, so it requires mm. a bunch of people to argue for a long period of time on whether they agree or not. In principle, they never agree. nobody in in principle nobody is really making decisions entirely for you in a republic. You're if you're electing your representatives and they're right. making the decisions, then you're supposed to be also making the decisions. Right. Um, and in a monarchy, though, there was a huge amount of responsibility placed on the monarch for yeah. the the health and well-being of the subjects yeah and there was always a like a larger noble class who could potentially you sir yeah 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 see yeah. that's the thing they weren't so much about like they and weren't they, so much offended at the notion of overthrowing a king as much as they were the notion of just like general rebellion that against, neglects the entire nobility right like how did Okay, Brutus was able to uh, facilitate the downfall of Caesar in large part and was demanded to do so because of his, the ancient nature of his family and how well established they were. Like he wielded, despite not being comparable to Caesar, right. he wielded a lot of power well, based that, on his lineage. And that was the beginning of the empire. So yeah. they were, he was trying to stop yeah, the empire from yeah. forming, yeah. right? And so by killing Julius Caesar, he was trying to stop the empire from forming. But in many ways, it wasn't just, it's... But it didn't stop it. It was already like part of the, the mix. talking about Bruce. It, yeah, it yeah. can be portrayed as a, a selfless act that they undertook for what they viewed as the ideals of Rome. 
Um, but at the same time, they stood to lose a lot of personal power and fortune if somebody ascended to a level of authority that was beyond their like or, their yeah. family lines, essentially. Right. And also just the fact that the person could just do away with them. So, yeah. I mean, and, and, and the way the initial Roman Empire was set up, it was the, the way the colonies, so the emperor controlled the colonies more so than the actual Roman states. So normally the emperor controlled 50% of the Roman wealth. Um, most, a lot of that came from the fact that he controlled Egypt. Um, but uh, yeah, we haven't even gotten into Egyptian society, right, right, which is long before yeah. even Rome. Right, right. right, Egypt was old when Rome came around and and subjugated them, and they really only halfway subjugated them. But um, yeah, yeah, it's been a longer. It's always like bringing this up. It was a longer time between when the Great Pyramids were built and the birth of Christ than it's been since the birth of Christ and now. Mm. So at the time that Jesus was born, the Allegedly. you know the Great Pyri- Pyramids. Ah, oh, sorry. You can't. No, there's not a good historical argument to make that Jesus, Jesus did not exist. Right. As a matter of fact, there were multiple Jesuses. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we're closer to Cleopatra than she is to. To the bill, the kiosk. If you want to be cynical about religion, then don't don't. Yeah, not about that. From the hip. Yeah, that's that's not. Yeah. (laughs) So back to the form of government as a democracy. Throwing a softball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You and your softballs, right? (laughs) Ah, Okay. All right. Um, Back to back to the topic at hand. So, are we seeing right now the growing pains of the? As the masses get more power, the growing pains of the masses, like the tyranny of the majority, is that what we're yeah, beginning we're... to feel? Is this like John Locke's, um, uh, and was it Rousseau or John Locke, whoever was like totally paranoid about tyranny of the majority? We've got, I'd, I think that there are people who are very opinionated and passionate on both sides of the political spectrum, both supporting expanding, uh, doing things like expanding voting age and expanding the number of people who are voting and then people who are also advocating for restricting it, either limiting it more based on age or limiting it based on some kind of intellectual qualification to vote. Like I see comments from people on Twitter all the time, usually conservative people who are like decrying the uninformed nature of the American voter and effectively saying that there should be a higher standard for somebody being able to vote. And most of those people are the same so, people that would vote for that pedophile Matt Gates and that idiot Marjorie Green Taylor. Well, what are what's what's Well, the we've tried that. We had a reading like test in to vote, right? In Jim Crow era, we had reading tests for people to be able to vote. So this is not an old arg- I mean the new argument yeah. Relatively, you know, old, um, and, and and even the aristocracy. When there was an aristocracy, you know, they they were conscious about like like they didn't want the peasants to rule either because they weren't didn't understand the way everything worked, 
right. And similar to the way rich people don't want the peasants to run the show either because they're they blessed that. because they were able to earn all this money, therefore they have the right to rule. It's gone on over and over. Or I'm a baron of, or I'm the Duke of Devonshire and I have the right I think to rule because God made me the damn Duke of Devonshire, mm. right? And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of making, <laughs> doing stupid things like this or, myself. Or, God forbid, the Duke of Westminster and his 30-year-old self. I just think it's kind of sad that someone in a place of power would be afraid of someone not in a place of power ruling because you don't know how. Well, neither do you. Well, but if you have a stable government already, you kind of do. And we have a relatively stable government. Yeah, but that, so that, they kind of do know what they're talking about. The, the cause and effect of the people in power right now. Well, yeah. Well, there are no safeguards other than age. There are no limitations on people who can serve in elected office in America, right? right? Other than age and citizenship. It requires no proven experience to do so. Yeah. Right. All it requires is that you're capable of convincing people. Yeah, but so for anyone to say, well, I'm, you know, I do this because I have experience. No, you don't. I don't. That's why I don't do it. No, and we don't want, the whole idea was people that want term limits, they don't want people to have too much experience because that ingrains you into a power structure. It makes you a manipulator. Right, and also... Yeah, a, uh, 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 a Cromwellian-like... Uh, or, or who was the nasty dude that Cromwell was was going after? The other dude that you were saying? Um, oh, well, he learned his sort of, like, tricks and abilities from Cardinal Wolsey. There you go. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I haven't trying to keep up with the names. This yeah, is but, the, yeah, dude, I can't... Oh, my God, there's so many people in these books. I've just kind of started... Sort of ignoring it unless it wasn't an essential. There's more characters. So after reading, after (laughs) after reading those books, you should watch the Tudors. Oh yeah, I've seen that. that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It was interesting because the the character of Tudors is is a TV show. I I assume it's a Netflix Netflix or Uh, it was originally on Showtime, I think. but yeah, I thought it was in the it's character probably of on Amazon Prime. If you have Thomas More is also a very interesting historical figure he because is. he was He's a the, he was a dedicated Catholic and dedicated to Rome. But he loved Rome, Henry. But he loved Henry too. Yeah, he's like one of Henry's best friends. But he was okay. unwilling to take the oath to accept Henry VIII as head of the church, and so he was yeah killed for it. But his his presentation in the book that I'm reading is that he, he was very powerful he, though he, too. Yeah, well, he was he was, like, he was extremely well. eloquent and very poetic, very writer. intelligent. Yeah, very persuasive. But he's sort of attacked in the book that I'm reading by and mentally by Cromwell because he he views him as being Conscious. stubbornly self righteous. Right. Like he's he's sympathetic. He wants he doesn't you know want to somebody die like that. But he's yeah, he's he, basically he, willing to <laughs> willing to die to make a point, and it Me? just seems you? it seems pointless in the context. Like you know, yeah. take take the oath, rationalize it to yourself, do what you have to do, but don't. It's not worth dying over. And to him, not only is it worth dying over, and it's a necessity. He sort of takes the the idea is that he takes pride in it and he gets satisfaction from having the opportunity to die for something that he believes it kind of, in it kind of break, yeah. breaks henry's heart yeah because he was a little like admirable henry's though you know best friend at least right. you stuck to your convictions yeah but you're dead too 
Yeah. So well, we're all going to die. I, I feel both ways about it. I think that somebody's willingness to die for something that they believe in is the, like, the most admir- admirable thing. But simultaneously, like the, the idea that somebody would get satisfaction from it and that it's, it's almost an easy thing. To, it's the most difficult thing to do, but it could also be an easy thing to do in a way because once you make that decision then it really relieves you from the need to make any more decisions ever again you know you don't have to you don't have to live like living life dying is hard and giving up your life is hard i wouldn't deny that but living is also hard and compromising your beliefs and living with that is also hard um, what would be and, the least hard of these things? Yeah, yeah and yeah. his his perspective in the book, Thomas More's, is that he is effectively abandoning his family also by allowing himself to be killed because they're not going to die. They're going to have his children will have to live their life without a father. His wife will have to live her life without her husband, mm-hmm. and that I mean, to me, it. Upholding your own principles and making other people's lives more difficult is... Would you... I don't think that it's an easy moral judgment. Would you say it's a double-edged sword? It's selfish in a way. Yeah. (laughs) I can't remember if he was beheaded or if he was burned. I have the worst sense of humor. I think he was beheaded. But this is exactly what Brad and I were talking about before you got here this morning, by the way. What? A very similar idea of this. People in power versus the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And, well, and what's you, our... I'm always grinding on it. It's something wrong with me. I got what's this our misquest. goal? Like, if... Is equality something that's good for itself? Or is it good because it makes people as happy as possible? Is it good because it... it it's right in terms of principle. Do you have an answer to your own question? Um, how, like, how, how, like, how do you feel? That's what I'm saying. How I would answer it with it? additional questions, but I think that there is, it's inherent in human nature for people to respect and to an extent obey people that they view as being capable. And people are totally fine with individuals having positions of greater power or control or wealth if they view those individuals as being deserving. I think that's totally in keeping with human nature. So you've got two things going on there. There's capability and deservingness. Now I'm saying people, if somebody has the, the ability and if somebody seems like they're deserving because of like their ability they deserve some okay okay right. yeah you're, yeah you're okay. or like i think you meant two separate sorry I'm i think that's very no you're i don't right. want to conflate anything i think that's very deeply ingrained in people that if somebody is able to able to provide able to make good decisions i mean in a uh, state of nature kind of tribalistic way if they're physically impressive all those things if they're exceptional then people are okay with them having more, whether it be wealth, power, respect. Well, not all people, but perhaps the mass of people, the majority. I would submit that it's human nature 
to be okay with that, assuming that the individual does not in turn abuse that power, betray the trust that people put in them, and they do not exert a sense of, they exert a sense of responsibility rather than a sense of entitlement. It makes a lot of sense from like a biological perspective that there are naturally people who are exceptional and that people are, it's beneficial for people to recognize that exceptional quality, embrace it, and utilize it as a benefit to the whole. I agree, except for when using that benefit on the whole becomes exploitative of the whole. Yeah, well then you reject if, if an exceptional individual is going to exploit people or behave selfishly, then people, I think it's an ingrained moral response for people to in turn reject them, denounce them, bring them down. Right, but I think that the challenge there, I, th I think, I'm speculating here, would be that nowadays when we follow someone who's exceptional and we find them deserving, if they can nab enough power, or in this case money, or, or in some cases money, power, influence, and then they start doing something funky we don't like, it doesn't matter. At that point, it's irrelevant how the mass feels. We can revolt all we want. It's just not going to change much. Yeah, it's, so that's it, a it problem. Would, it would appear like. Because you need a, like, if the if you're going to elevate exceptional individuals then when the individuals are no longer exceptional or if they prove untrustworthy or unconcerned with the well-being of the whole then you have to have a process for also bringing them down right. and today they call that cancel culture um or that's part of it well i think you can that's debate whether people it. are <laughs> deserving of being canceled or not but yeah so you have um, celebrities, athletes, exceptional individuals, politicians that people put their trust on or in. They view them as icons, people to aspire to. And when those and individuals then they have do, a responsibility. Right? Yeah. They feel like they have a responsibility. Yeah. Some do. I think not all. the power that they are bestowed some, by the some public. Do. Not all. Yeah, Some, not everyone. And people would, I think a lot of people in those positions would attempt to have it both ways, right. where they both want agree, the recognition, 100%. they want the power that comes with it, but they don't want the responsibility for their actions that people naturally demand of people that they endow with power by their favoritism. Right. Um, if we if we had a completely equal society, I don't know how you define or term that. I'm, I'm, I'm Harrison Bergeron, man. <laughs> That's disturbing to people because people do not like enforced equality. They don't like the destruction no, of exceptionalism in people. Right, right, right. Because That's it's killing be. something beautiful, right? right? There's a reason why, like, tragic heroes, in order to be tragic and in order to be compelling to move people's souls, they have to be exceptional. That's why tragic flaws exist, because they're flaws in otherwise great individuals. Oedipus was a great individual, you know, maybe not despite his flaws, but Achilles was an exceptional individual. That's what makes them compelling. So, so let's say, work with me here. Give me, give me a little it grain on this. Touches people's hearts. No, I get, I get that. I get that. I don't have one, so it's not hitting me that way. Ugh, eye roll. Um, Strong eye roll. Work with me on this. So let's say naturally, in another however many, well after our lifetimes, there's a, a natural progression to an equal society where exceptional people still exist and still can 
work through ranks, ascend, maintain power, grab power. I would just, okay, real quick, just I want to put a pin in the, the statement of a natural progression to an equal society because I think that the, that possibility is debatable. I think that's kind of like the heart of what we're talking about. Okay, like, I can, I can, I can see this. I can, I can, but, but, for the sake of this, yeah, continue. Let's say it falls out that way. Do you think that if everyone were equal, even in spite of or despite having natural exceptions, so like equal in their their power, sure. like their either wealth, political power, social power, right? Okay. Yeah, like. Across the board, but there were still leaders, group, you know, whatever. Do you think people would have a greater amount of respect for other people who then, who, whom they might used to have seen as being above or beneath them? If if everyone if everyone suddenly had carried the same baseball bat and that same bat did the same thing in all cases at all times, well, do you think, I think people would be I more tolerant, know. more accepting, and more understanding so of how every would other that, person? So I, I, it's probably a moot question because how would that happen? Yeah, I don't know. That's, I, I mean, think people are I, naturally tolerant and accepting and embracing of people as long as they view those people as being part of their essentially like group or tribe. I know so that. Say, say, say that again. They were. I'm sorry. Said I think that people are naturally accepting, loving, embracing of people, assuming that they view those people as being part of their tribe. And they can trust them. They feel that their actions are beholden to that person. That person's actions are beholden to them. Well, then I would say, I agree with you, but then I would say based on that, that we are in a, a overtly tribal society now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are, tr we are animals that exist in tribes. So, well, I, mean, I, I don't, but I don't believe that humans gain strength and purpose. Yeah, that's from, a tribe I, is a hundred people. Believe, I believe in the immaculate conception. Oh my God. You know, okay, Strike the, two. the immaculate conception in the virgin birth, they're I always harp things. on this, yeah. yes, and yeah. they're, they're, they're not different. the same, people the, get it, yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> the immaculate conception, the, well, the virgin birth was obviously the fact that Mary gave birth to Christ without having had sex. The immaculate conception was the conception of an individual untainted by original sin. Anyway, so, so sorry, I, I got a song, that's a very good point to make. Off tangent, back I always on. make it. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a valid point because yeah. people do get that. Confused. It's on the common misconception. Well, back, back back you back know, I, I don't. Sorry. I'm not sure. You, you we're, know. we're animals, and we 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 run in packs. Right, and and the idea that we we can force everybody to be equal is like mental masturbation. I mean, I don't. That's not possible. So then we are perpetually stuck so we, in living in an unequal society, or, which is fine. I just, I mean, I'm asking. Or maybe we have to view each other as ourselves again, and so maybe we don't need quite as much as we think we do, and we can share with other people. There's right. no requirement that people be unkind or cruel to people who are viewed as being an other less or less. I mean, even within your own group, people who are viewed as being less like less capable or, you know, people who would be described as more takers rather than givers. givers. So, yeah. OK, so here, let's let's do a little fun, little experiment in our little group here, the three of us. I would say, and I'm going to ask the two of you your perspective, but I would say, out of the group of us, I am easily, easily the least educated of you, 
I have the least ability for deeper recall and and greater critical thinking than the two of you. I you and I have the same that. number of years in school. Brad is just exceptionally educated. Yeah. Well, because I mean, Brad's been in school for the vast majority of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing. I mean, Brad is an yeah. excellent, excellent professor, excellent teacher. Uh, even just this morning, what, what did I say? I said you're yeah. helping people like me guide through to find better versions. <laughs> I'm so, just imagining Brad as like a baby in a basket left on the like the doorstep of the chancellor of some elite liberal arts university, yeah. and literally living in school his entire <laughs> life. But, yeah. but I, I feel I feel very little separation. I feel like we're all on an equal plain but i'm i'm very aware of the fact that i am not i'm not the strongest mind in this box i don't believe that at how all how far does your self deprecate like what is achieved by so I, wait what I, is I, it, I, is I, this I, a preface to well, a larger this, statement yeah, what, yeah, yeah, this, he's getting ready what, to say something this is what you were saying though was that like e- even in people's groups there's still a sense that like whatever uh huh you know that person that person's family isn't as wealthy as the other four families of the five people that are in this group. But that doesn't separate that person. It doesn't make them another or whatever because they're still part of your tribe. Yeah, the other th- yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but the other thing if is you, a separate If you grew label. up in an all-white whatever and you had a black friend, okay, well, wait, 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 wait. That's not part of our tribe. This is a hypothetical, by the way. This, yeah. That's not a part of our tribe. So what I'm saying here is this in our tribe, I recognize, I'm not deprecating, I'm, I'm, I'm saying what I believe to be an, an honest observation. I'm trying to, I'm, I, and I mean that genuinely, that that you guys can go harder and headier than I could. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk about Henry VIII, and I'm thinking like, Henry VIII, isn't that that guy from Russia? Mm-hmm. You know, like... Was it just because you're not versed in that particular era of history? If we asked you about music history, it'd be a totally different thing. Well, but that depends on the on the era too. So, right. so I guess what I'm saying is, this is where to me unequal is kind of a is kind of like a non-issue because it's not about to me being not equal or not the same. It's about areas of 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 uniqueness and specialization. Okay. And yeah. I guess that's that's I, I guess in some roundabout long huh. stone way that's where I'm trying to go with. So I think the equality is the equality of being able to live a good life, right? We get back to Plato. <laughs> the the equality, the equality of okay, okay, of okay. being able to to be your utmost potential, without without you know somehow messing somebody else's potential up as best you could. Yeah, and right? every individual contributes. Like you're, there's no precedent for people existing in in a natural or social or economic situation where another person is really that detrimental. Like more bodies is better in so general. Then, so like, then, by that measure, so let's say again, through some odd natural, unnatural, hypothetical, you know, Keith got too high progression in his mind, that we get to a point where the equality becomes that regardless of, like even today, regardless of everyone is, that everyone could live to their fullest. And they wanted people to be able to live to their fullest. Natural potential. Right. They wanted, like I wanted Joey, I wanted you, and I wanted this little girl sitting right here to be able to live through her. Even though I don't know her, I still want to make sure she can live up to her potential. If, if we add that to our selfishness side, like because 
I'm fine with that being yeah. a selfish notion. Right. It's great. Right. It's good for you to for everybody to, to be that. their best. Right. right. But, yeah. but that's but the whole notion that, uh, of like, that taking care of the others. A lot of our systems in place wouldn't that unbalance? A well, great I would many say of many of the systems were designed to do that, but they just have been co-opted, which they are over and over and over again. So can we can we re-co-opt them? Yeah. Then how? And I guess I, obviously it's not going to happen overnight. But how? Well, I don't know. That's that's the. I would you know, I would love if I ever had, had children. I would love for my children to grow up in a in a world where they could be whatever middle class might be then, but not. Well, I mean, I think struggle. we we need an overhaul of our uh, obviously of our governance system. That we need a, a better education so far as critical thinking goes for our youth so they can tell the difference between fact and fiction and truth and untruth you know and whether that's good for the country their neighbors or their friends you know i think that we you know need to rework the political system so it functions a lot more equitably for all the citizens of the united states which is what it's supposed to do um and I think we need to work, uh, we need to add the environment as part of a global citizenry. Like we need to, when we make every decision, the environment needs to be the other citizen in the room. Right. I always make right. the joke when we go to work that the step van, the big truck that we drive, mm -hmm. has got all the tools, all the pieces, all the parts. Anytime that thing goes to the shop, I always tell the mechanics, I'm like, dear God, take care of it. That's the most important employee we have. Yeah, that's exactly true. Because we'll get the jobs without that van. And it's like, oh, yeah. man, well, you got that part? That's on the van. Mm -hmm. hey, you got the, that's on Some the people van. name their vans. Like, yeah. literally, they personify them. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. But, uh, but like, like Mabel. <laughs> 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 uh, that's funny. Uh, but, but, yeah, so I think... Though if we did just those few actions, like we 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 really worked on our education system to be a dynamic system where knowledge is evolving and in motion. We talked about our political system where it's evolving and in motion, and we added environment as one of the citizens in the room at all times. The silent citizen in the room, then we'll do we'll do well to move towards. You know, even with all the arguments. But again, w we have to start looking in the future and not back at the past. Do you think that we treat our political systems today as a, as a dead system, or do you think we treat it as a living system? No, I think it's treated as a dead static system, and it needs to be it treated to, as okay, a living right, system. Okay. Just, I want right. to, yeah, I, I right. feel the same way, because I want to clarify it. Ooh, okay, my big distinction with this, with systems, too, and society, is the difference between theory and practice or experience that I'm very distrustful of theorizing sounds good doesn't work but you're so good at that it. well I don't think that anybody's actually good at it because I don't think that you can you can control enough variables and come up with something that's practically effective I think you need things that emerge organically and are thus in tune with human nature rather than like intellectual intellectualism theorizing hypotheticals that are enforced on people and aren't necessarily in agreement with what people's actual nature is so that's I what i worry about about with intellectual movements with educational movements that's why i'm i think that that's a 
very fundamental source of opposition between our perspectives because I think that you you idealize the effectiveness of you know you come by it honestly but idealize the effectiveness of education and the ability to essentially perfect people and that the that theory and intellectual activity is the avenue through which people can be improved or perfected um, I think it's too idealized and I think it's it does, also it, impossible it is idealized but I would say that you're 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 making a little bit of an error when you say that going out and having the experience is not building the theory in your head theory can come at the same time as the experiment hmm. right you build there's something called a grounded theory where you build it as you create your experiment and your experiment becomes the theory and the theory adjust it it's a theory in motion adjust as your whatever i mean your theory moving forward is based on your experience and your theory could just be the idea of the experiment that then you your want experience to could yeah. give you the theory okay so i think That's a good a theory. i think marxism is a good example because i buy into marxism as far as the intelligent like observations of Karl Marx about systems about human yeah. history about things like that but then that is in turn extended to an intellectual exercise that has to be enforced on our society like the the Marxist lens of viewing literally everything like science in the Soviet Union had to be viewed through a Marxist lens. It was a series of historical and political and economic observations that were then translated into truths, and then those truths were in turn misapplied to literally and enforced on literally everything. Well, a real good theory In a very destructive way. The theory would be altered as the experiment led to new variables and new findings. Yeah, I guess I'm, right. so I'm not the making Marx, the distinction between discovery and then like right, the, the discovery of change. Like the fact that Marx didn't work, well, why? And there are, there are the new Marxists, the new left, that have built new Marxist theories on top of old Marxist theories. So they, they are doing that too, but... I like the uh, Marxists that are the uh, Groucho style. Oh, my God. Mm. So, but... I would say there's not a clear distinction between theory and practice. Like if you've got a good theory running, you have to be practicing it to build the rest of it. Hmm. You know, it's like we're still working on evolution. Wouldn't that just with be scientific gene method? manipulation, right? Well, gene yeah. manipulation is not evolution because artificial evolution is not evolution. Sure, it's a type of evolution. But remember it's, our it's remember our thing, even if it's unnatural, it's natural. <laughs> I mean, it is okay. Yeah, what is? But the, we're getting way out. Yeah, we're getting real heavy. Yeah, yeah to me, else. like the definition of something that is natural or emerges organically, like the way that I'm talking about it, is something that is that occurs really like gradually and is reinforced, affirmed, So tested, this is where your question came over with over the intellectuals again. using theory to build the United States. Yeah. Versus it bubbling up from, from the settlers being involved in, 
in um, experiential practices of the Native Americans and getting rid of the British and whatever. Yeah, what's the uh, likelihood that, uh, like, that aristocratic intellectuals can sit around and design and implement a better form of government than what has naturally emerged and existed throughout human history? Well, because the natural form of government is a monarchy. I think the nat will monarchy yeah. will monarchies are large are larger societies. I think that a monarchy is in well, a keeping tribe with, is basically a monarchy. Yeah, yeah. People, I think monarchies is we. The problem with monarchies and the size of monarchies, I think, is that the if they reach a certain size then the sovereign is no longer beholden to the people and the people are no longer in a position where they're capable of knowing and trusting the sovereign if you have a hundred people in a tribe and you have an exceptional individual to rule i seriously believe that that person is going to feel intense responsibility to everyone they do, in and general. everyone is going to feel and know but if the, you if you have a million the strength that of that responsibility that, that responsibility dissipates it's impossible. Well, that's why you have to have an aristocracy to run the show. Like, you can't do it. You literally can't run You can't keep track of that much shit. And I'm going to bring in, like, a contrast now. It used to be that the person who was in charge, who stood to benefit from the military activities of the population, of the soldiers, if somebody had something to gain from a battle, then they were fighting in the battle. And they were only not on the front lines of it if they were basically held back from doing that because of a, a concern for the group in general. Yeah. Like, we do not—our leaders do not fight in the battles that our country fights. No. And that is a, a fundamental problem, and it, at a deep, deep level, it offends everybody, and it's perverse. Could you, could you imagine— could you imagine Joe getting out there? Hell, he can't even hold himself up without a cane half the time. Could you imagine I know. firing off a gun? Yeah. Or Mr. Bone Spurs getting out there and letting off a grenade? No, but in Joe Biden, the oh god, I'm like I'm dis- absolutely disgusted by Joe Biden. It's it's like right that episode now. in The Simpsons, I think, where they all go to both war him and, and what's Burns, been made of him. As in the as in the as in the platoon with him, and he keeps goofing everything up. Hmm. And they end up having the chance to kill Hitler, and Burns screws it up, and they miss oh, the shot. Nice. Yeah. Well, but the idea that just because you ride at the head of your troops does not necessarily make you moral, or suppose you're a psychopath like Caesar was. Or yeah, whatever. but it makes you consistent, though. Consistently dragging your troops where you want to have honor and justice and. Whatever. Yeah, I think it's more now, you respectable can, you to can drag debate. your troops there than to send a bunch of people. Yeah, there it doesn't make and, the military action moral, but it's the it's essential to the potential morality of the action that you're putting yourself at risk, mm-hmm. and it also reduces the the possibility if you're personally at risk, it reduces the possibility that you're making like these facile consequential, or, or you're just a psycho and you want glory. And you're at the he- you're dragging your army into things because you just want glory. Yeah. and so it could be a would, bad decision. Yeah, like Napoleon, why. I don't think I'm not going to make, I'm not going to defend like Napoleon as the being like Rome were terrible about a, a moral person. Yeah, but he's you're more moral if you're fighting with your troops than if you're just sending them 
to obtain glory and for that yourself. Is, that is part of the hero's dealio that we always we always want that to happen. And we want the hero to be at the front, yeah, swinging the sword, right? Yeah. Some of that might be just because of our. Um, the way we romanticize hi- our history. Of I don't think these it's people. a romantic. I don't think it's constructed. I don't think it's romantic. I don't think it's cultural. I think it's biological. That people require that those they're, who are alpha those who to stand to gain front. also have to stand to lose. Yeah. Again, the 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 I population needs to know that the there. person. No, the yeah, yeah. no, it is romanticized, yeah. but it's romanticized because it's something that. It, it begins with human nature, and then we romanticize it because it makes us feel good. That's the good story. Inherently. Right, right, yeah. Right. And we can, we could get into a conversation. What's his name? Joseph Campbell, all the like, the, the grand the, narratives and what the, the, archetypes. the evolutionary foundations for those things potentially are. The hero of a thousand faces. Okay. So, I don't know how much, again, that seems to be taking. Hum, analyzing human nature, finding truths in it, and then theorizing on those truths and applying it to every situation, which I would be a little distrustful of. Hmm. The same reason why you know, Freudianism and like Jungian stuff and personality types, I'm distrustful of that too. Right? Because as soon as you... Okay. I mean, you, this, this, you is, this, is, this is totally me. Read the next profile. Well, that's totally me, too. Like, yeah. It just depends on what day, dipshit. Yeah. Exactly. Like, one person's, a lot, of the, a lot of the soft sciences don't even hold up as well as, like, astrology does for oh, actually boy, satisfying oh, people's. Ugh, that stuff pains me so much. Oh, come on. What time were you born? Six, <laughs> 645. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you're, yeah, your ascendant and your sun sign are, prob- are probably the same. They're both Gemini. I think, <laughs> I think astrology, much like many things, politics, religion, etc., I think it's just one more way for you to shirk the accountability for the decisions in your own life. That's a very pessimistic view of it. Do you, would you expect anything less? Well... And I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you. So I. So I put my foot in my mouth. And how I, about and a cre- <laughs> creative? I'm not criticizing <laughs> no, you. That is my creative justification. No, I mean using your sun sign as creative. I do, yeah. But I mean, I, you're never going to hear me go. Oh man, I made a mistake. Well, you know what? Man, J- Jupiter's in the wrong place this week. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't think that I. But the, I but, like but the enjoyment that people, that people get out of it. It okay, can be a good. It can be a good jumping off point for. Um, meaningful conversation right. about who people are and the things that they value, though. Okay, and I, I don't disagree. And with you know, that. people like signs and symbols right. and like flags and colors. And I think humans, by nature, I think we look for anything that we can to connect dots that would bring us all closer together. Yeah, people say things all the time about like, well, that would be my spirit animal, or if I had a family crest, that's what I would put on it. Or so like I read. It's, I read a snippet of an article going back to your point here about creating conversation and meaning. I did read a snippet of an article this morning before I got here that said for what was it? The headline was something to the term of uh, if you're feeling if you're if you're post COVID and you're feeling like you've forgotten how to talk with people or you're feeling timid or you don't know how then you can start conversations by gossip because people inevitably 
want to gossip. Gossip is ingrained, too. I would not criticize and somebody for gossiping I because I feel like that would be a denial of human nature. I don't think I that's agree. I don't think that's a good thing at all. I would rather start a conversation over some bullshit like astrology than to sit down and start gossiping. I yeah, I'm a person who does like talking about I was, ideas I was, more than I, I like was talking having about a people, conversation with you about people who were gossiping that got me into trouble because I said, you know what, tough shit, deal with it. I wasn't gossiping. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the idea that you are worried about gossip is just it is I think it is a natural state of human beings to I worry, want to talk I about, about it, everybody around them. But it, pe- I don't think it's coincidental that it people enjoy practice, the same practice, things and gravitate towards practices the same their circular storytelling. Circular storytelling? And right. see that's so what I'm gossip, trying to do. normally you tell the the punchline in the beginning and they explain the factors at the end. Is that the, Did uh, you hear about that? Rectum damn near. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to get away from anything that's circular. My thinking is circular. My life is circular. I don't want that. I'm tired of that. What? No, time is then a circle. Ha- right? Time is a flat circle, and what you do, you will do again and again, right? That's Kierkegaard or Nietzsche or somebody, I right? think it's Nietzsche. Yeah, the unbearable like lightness Nietzsche. of being. Yep. Yeah. And I don't Nietzsche any more of that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this conversation actually involves Nietzsche a lot because I've basically been saying that people desire to be ruled, but they desire to be, but they must be ruled by somebody that they view as being capable and right. considerate. What if and you embracing feel that you're the, capable the power of the and individual. you are the supreme ruler in your own existence? But how do you build that consensus of more than your tribe? And that's... Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. And that's where... So we're, we're, what are the proving grounds? Well, right now we have a big problem with people who are capable of communicating with each other and capable of perceiving each other without actually knowing each other or feeling in, invested in anyone else. So right. you essentially, that is that is creating a sense of like deep, deep, deep otherness and deep distrust in our society Which right now. So that sad. breaks down on political, and demographic, And we're having a really hard time lines. surmounting these obstacles currently in society They're too. They're insurmountable. Unless you actually have people who are willing, we've built the walls too high to, at this point, actually really meet each other and trust each other except by except through tremendous and maybe enforced effort yeah i i does there need to be a new technology or does there need to be like people though when you're hanging out in a coffee shop they seem to do okay they they, they had that technology (laughs) exactly well i think emerald isle is an interesting example because facebook was the technology no the, that but that but the, <laughs> it, it got turned upside down well <laughs> if it was first come first serve it probably would be fine uh, like yeah. if you're friends and you posted something first my shit would get to you before somebody else's and it would just be this random thing it's when they went to the algorithm that focused and they, started, it, and they started trying to give you shit that you wanted what they thought you wanted and then it got you fired up and then they gave you more of that shit that's when it, it when it was first come, first served, no one had this problem. Accepting the... You're, right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm very optimistic. That's the way Instagram was originally before they bought it. Right. I'm very optimistic yeah. about Emerald Isle and Eastern North Carolina as a place where people of at least different political and cultural persuasions can meet and actually... <laughs> What? No. No, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, you're shaking your head. I'm disagreeing with one point. But I want I'm not to saying that there's a lot of, a, a huge amount of diversity in this area. I'm saying there is diversity of 
where people view themselves on the political spectrum because you have young people coming in and you have old people. You have a traditionally conservative area that has an influx not just of young people but of people from the Triangle, which is a very liberal area. Brad's reference to the coffee shop I don't think is coincidental yeah. that you actually see people getting along in the coffee shop because people feel responsible and for I, each other when they're in person. I agree they with you do. with all it's of weird. that. It's, it's the, weird. The, the thing that I was disagreeing with was the cultural thing. I mean, you view this area as having no culture effectively. But I've I think it's because but I think it's because what you think no. of as being culture Seafaring. is different. Exactly. Fishing is Culture. It's life. That is culture. Country music is culture. When I, was the last time you fished? Riding your when bike is culture. Oh, jeez. Surfing is culture. It's been a very long time. Yeah, like, oh, surfing is a whole cult- dealio. Weird. It's I don't want to. I'm not. Culture of the gods in Hawaii. I love you. I'm not being critical. Weird Weird music is not the only kind of culture that there is in the world. I, no, I'm not. Uh, uh, Ooh, I, I, I wouldn't. harsh. No, yeah, no, I, I know. I don't, That's I don't why think, I prefaced it. I, I, I don't feel that way. Uh, uh, I'm not arguing that there's no culture here. What I'm saying he is that the, other music the, than the, weird music. The I know. I was being. I was generalizing, <laughs> and culture. you encompass many cultural attributes that are not just either weird musical music. or just yeah, I different the, music. The the culture here, I find <laughs> culture less and distasteful. Hunting is a culture. Correct. I mean, rock collecting is a culture, but 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 uh, I, I, uh, again, I agree with you on the political aspect, and I guess. I agree with you culturally to an extent by a blending of the cultures that exist here, but you're never going to see in Eastern North Carolina a blending of cultures of ethnicity. It's never going to happen. In Eastern North Carolina in general, there is a lot of racial diversity. Right, but, but, people it's, but, are, but it's incredibly segregated in its yeah. diversity. So I, I think mean, we're North inevitably going to move. I mean... never. The, ne- go, go ahead. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Go ahead. I think the... I think economic realities are going to determine how racially siloed specifically Eastern North Carolina continues to be because I think a lot of a lot of segregation now is a product of economic realities where someone can afford to live where someone can't afford to live I would say and, it's always been that and yeah and that difference because because of segregation residual wealth because segregation is, Which is no over my head because segregation is, is no longer legally enforced it's in the, the South, that comes and because with. people as Either an ideal, cognitively, genetically, or the vast majority physically. of people hold an ideal that people are not fundamentally superior, inferior based on what their race or ethnicity is. Like those two facts make me confident that if you can sort out and achieve better, econ- like better economic outcomes, more economic equality, a society where people benefit and are motivated by and achieve things based on their merits rather than like their family history, their, you know, their beginning wealth, then I think we will have an opportunity for a like much, much more demographic, I don't know, intermixing i don't know well what you i don't call it. and 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 who determines what is good merit so we yeah. have a problem with the, the merit, market the, would the, be one answer my market's a terrible indicator of that because <laughs> we've got dipshits running around that have been highly rewarded by the market that are yeah you know that are all, all i was kind of say waste was of space keep in mind that while we do have a lot of cultural diversity in terms of ethnicity in southeastern north carolina all up and down the coast 
We are the only state in this union in history where an actual coup happened and was successful, and it was in the city of Wilmington, which has, I think, up until maybe recently been predominantly African-American, was owned and run by African-Americans until a group of angry white people took it over, overthrew them, and took over the town. And that's the way it's been ever since. Huh. And that's the only time that's ever happened on American soil was the coup in Wilmington. That's interesting. So North Carolina was also the lifeline of the Confederacy, mm-hmm. had the most casualties in the Civil War. Um, We're in it, man. North Carolina's the place to be, bud. I think North Carolina might be the coolest state. Like That's why I don't want to leave the state, but, I can't, super but I can't diverse. afford to continue to live in this town. I've also previously advocated for the reunification of the Carolinas, but I don't know. I don't. Uh, want let's keep to. them separate, man. I really don't want Myrtle Beach as a part of our. What? Yeah, can we? Yeah, can we annex that out? Yeah, yeah. Can we lease that uh, to? The, uh, I'll take. I'll take. Ooh, Greensboro Myrtle Beach could be a principality. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Monaco. Yeah. Mm, yeah okay. It could right? be. We'd have to the the and you could com- legalize of Myrtle. Just have it be much more liberal as far as you know what behavior is and is not allowed. I think that would be an interesting experiment. Yeah, I don't think we can make it its own sovereign. So I never would oh, have thought awesome private islands. that a there conversation about Henry VIII would have stemmed on all of this. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Are you gonna make what do you what do you want to recommend this week? Books, movies, music, um, activities, food, uh, memes. Am I allowed to make an additional recommendation, even though we already talked about the book series I'm reading? Let me, I, I think, let me think about my I think, book recommendation. Well, while you guys are thinking, I'm going to take a moment, because I probably Don Cleveland's turn out again by this point, and I'm sure he didn't hear what I had to say to him last week. But I, I do want to thank my buddy Dom. Love you, Dom. My, my friend from high school who has listened, I think, to most of the episodes in their entirety. God bless him. And um, he was the he was the guy that was responding to me this last week about um, reading drafts don't dance. Yeah. Yeah. Dom is an incredibly intelligent, very 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 witty, very funny. God, he's funny. Um, and I'll say this real quick. I don't know if he remembers it. He may never even hear this. But the, I first met him in an honors class with a, a, a teacher named Miss Blankenship, I think. God, she was such a fucking snore. Anyway, um, I think out of pure boredom, Dom, in, in the corner of a, of, a, of a textbook, drew like a stick figure running up the bottom of the textbook and then up the side doing a backflip. And then as he landed and was celebrating, he got hit by a car, and it was a flip book. Nice. So you take the corner of the textbook and flip through it, and you could see the stick figure run, do the flip, celebrate, and then get hit by the car. And the car drive on. Like the impetus for that in the execution seems more valuable than what you were probably learning in history. Oh, it was class. perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. And, that's, and that was the first time that I met this guy in this class, and I was friends with him instantly ever since. So I appreciate him listening. Also, to my my uh, uh, family member, um, I think she listens all the time. My my uncle's wife Donna. I don't know why she listens because this stuff is probably pretty foul. I think to her, but. Um, yeah, kudos to you for sticking in. Anyway, back to our recommendations. Okay, the book that I mentioned last week that I did not include in my recommendations because I was pumping the apostles on the Pentecost. So 
Dancing in the Streets, A History of Collective Joy by Barbara Ehrenreich. So that Spell was the last one. name, please. E h r e n r e i c h. Or for our military listeners, uh, Echo Hotel Romeo, Echo November Romeo, Echo India Charlie Hotel. My uh, <laughs> recommendation this time is, NATO phonetic is, is the Public and Its Problems by John Dewey, which is a oh, kind yeah. of a really small book, but it's quite poignant for the times today and I think um, it, it's got a little bit of a flowery language it's written in the 20s but um, I think it people could stand to do with more flowery language these yeah, days yeah and I think it's something you could read I haven't read, heard anyone read use the partially word discuss it with your kids years. or your family and kind of get a dialogue going around it uh, so John Dewey the public and its problems. I would not be surprised if the word corpulent in the dictionary had a picture of Henry VIII next to it. Probably the last time I used it before that was also describing him. You can find my, my picture in the dictionary in two places. Oh my god. Good looking, stoned. Mm. Your mama is so corpulent when she sits <laughs> around the house. You. She sits around the house. No, that was cute. I like when you're self-aggrandizing. I try to be funny. Yeah, I try to makes be, a difference. What, but, so anyway, I'm not going to recommend a book. I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going to recommend a record that I heard this last week uh, by a band called Vernacular. I believe they're from Cleveland. They're cool. no longer around. They haven't been around for a long time. I've just discovered this. I did not know any of this history. Wait, they have rock bands in Cleveland? Imagine that. <laughs> um, the band is Vernacular, and the record is The Little Bird, which is a uh, huh. reference to Albert Eiler. Who's Albert Eiler? The amazing spiritual jazz saxophonist. He's also from Cleveland. Oh. Very powerful sax player. Very, very powerful. Um, anyway, Vernacular, The Little Bird. It's weirdo music, semi-jazz, noise. That's cool. If you're looking for something a little more palatable, I would say... Um, What's something new that I've heard that I really enjoyed? There's a lot of new stuff. It's just all strange. Yeah, How about an old favorite? As Ooh. far as jazz. An old favorite. Oh, jazz? Yeah. Or, or can we get out of the genre? Well, you can, you can do anything you want. What's your recommendation? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, Brad, recommend Keith a recommendation. <laughs> Man, I'll, t I'll, t I'll tell you what I heard the other day. It's my overbearing personality. I, 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 I always come back to it. It's just so fun. Um, the Meat Puppets record, Too High to Die. Oh, nice. That was the one that came Too out in 1994, I think. I'm surprised when you got me listening to the Meat Puppets, I was surprised how like fun and kind of like country rockabilly-ish they I love were. It. I just yeah. thought they were going to be like super like hard and grungy and stuff. I was pleasantly surprised. And then, okay, just because I can, I'm going to go over my limit. But if we're talking about classic. Damn, that's, yeah, this what is the three. We're here, I know. There's it three means of we're going to have to recommend more stuff. Yeah, Not right and now. Then he'll do it, and then. When, when can we recommend your book? When will we be, when will we, will we be able to, to do that? trying to put undue pressure on me? No. Yes. The fact that know. you perceive it year. as pressure says more about you than it does about what he's saying. Oh, okay, and Mr. Psychoanalyst. Thank you. What? That's an easy one. <laughs> he, he, we already know it's going to be good. You've referenced it several times. So no, have I? You have. It'll I think be he's readable. Just using It'll the, be readable. Something I'm looking at in my book as like a device for introdu <laughs> introducing ideas. Yeah. I'm not convinced the book actually exists. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Joey. Joey has to see and touch to I believe. I might start doing that. He's an experiential person. Ah, seeing and touching to beggars believe. Mm. Huh? Hmm. Ah. Yes. It What's your robs last it of one? its ability. I'm getting hungry. Well, let's just fold it for the day. Oh, I took too much pressure on you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good of a good Thelonious Monk record, but uh, well, we didn't. One of one of the ones where he's by himself, so you can really hear his odd chord shapes. But hmm. I couldn't I couldn't think of like any one good one. They're all really good. I I, I love monks, so it's it's hard for me to pick. Who wants to take us out of this? Well, I would like to thank our audience and our friends on this peaceful Memorial Day. Thank um, you guys for being flexible so we can go to the baseball game tomorrow. Yes, oh, no yeah, go. Uh, well, I guess they're not the tribe anymore. Yeah. They're not K-Tribe. Yeah, so I guess it's go, go Wood Ducks. Yeah. Quack, quack. <laughs> yeah. I also would like to thank my father and my uncle Aww. for being in the service and for making a, That's right, Memorial a Day. difference in my life as well as the lives of the people around them. Um, also, happy belated birthday to Brad. He, oh, had a yeah. he had a birthday through the week. We won't discuss it in great detail, but we will no. be making you dinner this week. Oh, that's right. Chicken and waffles. Dang right, Late. son. We're gonna, we Late. never made it, so we're going to try. Wait. Mm -hmm. Does, are you a Gemini? Yeah. You're both Gemini. He's, he's Gemini yes. cusp. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh. Mm -hmm. uh. What's before Gemini? Taurus. Taurus. Okay. Which gotcha. is the bull? What are you? Have we talked I, about this before? I am both sun, ascendant, and moon in Cancer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're later in the year? That's why we argue. July 13th. My dad was a Cancer. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. My grandma's a Cancer. I forget. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cancer's the crab, right? Yeah. But, I mean, Crabby. it's also analogously a turtle, too. Like, you can kind of... Wah, it's wah, varied. Wah, wah. Okay. Wah. Wah. That's a turtle. Uh, wah, 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 wah. We will wah. not... Well, Brad won't be here next week. Joey and I may get together. No, I'll be here. Oh, you'll be here next week? We're not going. You're I not going to it. Oh. Yeah. Um, too much difficulty with my mom's uh, fiancé being... You know, on the cusp of being ill, he's in recovery now. We think it's doing fine, but I still didn't want to be somewhere else. So we all, we all have elderly parents, or I shouldn't say that. Joe, Joey's parents are not elderly. Um, we all have, getting there. We all have parents who are in elevated age that we are all helping and caring for. Mm -hmm. So it makes we're all good. We're all good young men. I'm fortunate. My parents are capable of caring for each other. Still, right. at so. this point, yep. Yeah. Brad drives to Beaufort, and I go to Ohio. Mm -hmm. Something tells me Beaufort's nicer. <laughs> and it uh, takes a tremendous Ohio effort for me just to make it five minutes that. over the bridge to see I my I like parents, Ohio. It's round on the end and high in the middle. Yeah, yeah I love that. That was one of my favorite Looney Tunes jokes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like my Aunt Sally. Hey. Hey. And with that, let's right. wrap it up. So we'll see yes. you. So we're next, we're gonna, we will do next week. Okay. Yay. All right. Cheers, and thanks to Stir It Up for allowing us to sit in here and take up a space. And thank you for Brad for counseling me for the first 30 minutes of this morning and keeping oh me from gosh. being a terrible human being. I know. Thank God. <laughs>